Chapter Six of the Man Who Ended War. This is the LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Man Who Ended War by Hollis Godfrey. Chapter Six. What's the new find, Dorothy? Asked Tom, smiling at her eagerness. A letter from Carl Dinkel. She replied impossible the dear old boy died nine months ago but this was written nearly a year ago she rejoined look at this envelope the big blue square inscribed in crabbed german script was filled with addresses see said dorothy he thought you were still at columbia so he addressed it to columbia america forgetting new york his u was so much like an o that they sent it to columbia south america it travelled half over south america and then they sent it up here it went to three or four Columbias and Columbuses in different states. Finally, some bright man sent it to the university, and they sent it over to you. It's for you, all right. Read it, Dorothy. What does he say? On Herrn Dr. Thomas Haldane, Lieber Professor, es geht mir an den Tod. She had gone thus far in German, when she glanced up and saw my uncomprehending face. The German too much for you? She asked. I'll translate she went on rapidly in english to dr thomas haldane dear professor i am about to die my physician tells me that i have less than a month left to work i have just completed the apparatus which had engaged my attention exclusively for the last six years my wave measuring machine by means of this machine any wave of a given intensity may be registered as regards its velocity and power if you don't mind i'd like to break in right there i interrupted go on said tom kind of waves is he talking about is this some sort of a machine for measuring the tides down on the beach or what is it tom laughed not exactly he said dinkle's machine is to measure waves like those of electrical energy you know don't you that we believe wireless messages go from one station to another by means of ether waves as they call them i nodded well dinkle means to measure waves of that kind and waves that would come from an arc lamp or a dynamo or a piece of radium or anything like that it's to measure the same sort of wave that charged the reflectoscopes in short see i do i answered but i'll hold on till we finish the letter jim and we'll go over it i subsided and dorothy went on more than that the distance from the point of generation of the wave and the exact direction from which it comes can be ascertained it is as you may see the unique discovery of the past five years in computing and making it, I have used some discoveries made by my late colleague, Professor Mingjern, at his death six years ago. He passed his work on to me. Now that my death approaches, I pass my work on to you. I have had many pupils in my long life, but none so worthy, none so able to carry on the work as you, my dear friend and pupil. Farewell. Carl Denkel. He was as fine an old chap as I ever knew, said Tom, with deep feeling, to think of his sending that to me but what can have happened to it dorothy stood with a second sheet in her hand here's something about it she said manuscripts sent under cover to same address apparatus sent to new york via hamburg american line oh then the first thing to do is find the apparatus said tom we can send a trailer after the manuscript but we can't bank on getting it i'll go down to the custom house tomorrow morning what a blow to science if the whole thing were lost but he went on suddenly isn't it extraordinary that this should come along just now it helps us a whole lot that is so remarked dorothy reflectively we ought to be able to tell just where the man is every time once more i humbly confess my ignorance 
i remarked but will you kindly enlighten me as to the way in which this is to help us in the search for the man certainly said dorothy smiling we know that the reflectoscopes were charged by a wave which the man sent out from some definite spot theoretically that place might be anywhere in the world practically it's probably somewhere not many miles from the ship he is destroying but it is somewhere his waves start from some definite point there is some single point of generation now with this machine i ought to be able to find out just where the place is from which the wave starts and not only within a hundred miles but within a very brief space say for instance we had the machine in london i could tell that the man started his waves from sandy hook and not from hellgate that power of fixing the exact position of the man gives us a tremendous step absolutely tremendous i cried and tom chimed in his eyes blazing with enthusiasm here's to the successful working out of the new clue the announcement of dinner made rather an anticlimax to our discovery tom laughed well we've got to eat anyway come on no feast could equal a dinner with dorothy as hostess never did her sweet face look more charming than when she presided at her own board the talk soon became confined to technicalities as dorothy and tom discussed the possibilities of the new apparatus and i sat watching dorothy's expressive face as she talked of velocities and lengths methods of generation and of control but her absorption in her subject lasted but a brief time dinner over she turned to the piano then for two hours her music wafted me through many a lofty old iberian turret as i walked to my rooms from the haldanes i revelled in every breath of the city air the very noises of the street exhilarated me as i strolled along one of the crowd a free man the unexpected setback of my arrest now safely over i could attack the new clue with eagerness and the early morning found all three of us at the hamburg american pier no trace of any such invoice as carl dinkel had described was to be found in any of the office records book after book was searched for some account of the shipment but in vain as a last resort we went out to the huge warehouses and searched them up and down back and forth the morning passed in unavailing work we swung up to town to lunch and then turned again to our task the most unruly of warehousemen turned into an obedient slave at dorothy's behest and from one long bare shed to another we passed escorted by a retinue of willing workers we paused at length at the end of the pier where the big doors looked out on the water glowing beneath the sun the burly irishman who had been our escort from the first took off his cap and wiped his wet brow i'm feared it's no use mum he said apologetically sure and i'd go on for hours a-hunting for you if twas any use but it's never a bit we've been everywhere that a machine like that could be with regret we gave up our futile search and retraced our steps toward the waiting car we had seated ourselves and were watching the chauffeur as he bent to crank the machine when we heard a cry behind us we turned and saw our guide running at full speed his arms waving wildly as he came near he shouted there's just one chance i remembered myself that a while ago there was a lot of old unclaimed and seized stuff sent to the appraiser's stores to be auctioned off they've been having the sale the day and to-morrow at three you might find it there we'll try said tom and we quickly ran across to the auction as we stepped inside the room we saw a motley assembly before us junk dealers jew peddlers old clothesmen clerks buyers of hardware houses and a few reporters a lot of fancy door bolts were being sold and competition was running high foremost among the bidders was a woman who was evidently an old acquaintance of the auctioneers she was a queer compromise between the old and the new 
on the tight brown wig of the conservative old jewish matron was set askew a gay lacy hat such as adorns the head of an east side belle on a tamani picnic her costume was in harmony with her headgear consisting of a black skirt and a flaming red waist trimmed with gorgeous gold embroidery her keen eyes twinkled at the badinage of the auctioneer and her face showed an acumen hard to overcome one by one the bidders withdrew till only this woman and another jew an old man were left the price was mounting by cents till the last limit of the woman's purse seemed reached and she stopped bidding in vain the auctioneer tried to rouse her to another bid twenty-six twenty-six absolutely thrown away at twenty-six come mrs rosnosky give me thirty you can sell the lot for fifty it's the chance of your life mrs rosnosky was not to be moved again the auctioneer appealed in vain and glancing around him reached down beside him and brought up a dusty broken mixture of wires and metals of cones and cylinders here mrs rosnosky make it thirty and i'll throw this in as the eyes of my companions lighted on the mass they started forward tom opened his mouth to bid but before the words could come from his lips mrs rosnosky had nodded decisively her competitor behind her had shaken his head and the cry of sold to mrs rosnosky at thirty came through the air tom looked at dorothy expressively and she nodded back and whispered it looks as if it might be the machine we'll get it from her clearly mrs rosnosky had obtained all she desired motioning to a boy in the rear she stepped to the clerk's desk paid her money and started to remove her goods by the aid of her helper paying no attention to the cries and movement about her we followed the machine as it left the building and stood on the opposite side of the street as the boy and the woman filled an old express cart with their purchases last of all they put in the medley of apparatus on its wooden stand as they placed it on the wagon i lounged across the street want to sell that i asked pointing to the apparatus not for anything you want to pay young man came back the answer to my surprise i'll give you five dollars for it mrs rosnosky vouchsafed no reply to my offer and mounted the seat tom who had heard the conversation came hurrying across what do you want for it he asked five thousand dollars replied mrs rosnosky clucking to her horse tom seized the bridle nonsense woman you got that for nothing and you ask five thousand dollars we're willing to give you a fair price but that's robbery mrs rosnosky looked at us keenly if you really want to talk business she said say so that's worth five thousand dollars she seized a cylinder with a sudden gesture ripping it from its place she pointed to a band of silvery metal round it that's platinum she said there's five thousand dollars in that stuff for me if you want it you take it now or not at all i know what platinum is worth dorothy who had crossed the street and stood beside us broke in take it tom and tom obeyed with a nod he turned to the woman i haven't five thousand or five hundred dollars with me but if you'll come uptown i'll get five thousand for you mrs rosnosky would not part with the apparatus tom would not let it out of his sight either tom had to mount the express wagon or mrs rosnosky had to come in the motor-car the latter was her choice and mrs rosnosky had the joy of sitting enthroned in a big blue motor while we sped uptown the bank had long since been closed and for swiftness and surety we decided to run up to tom's club there he was able to cash a check mrs rosnosky bore the gaze of the few men who lingered around the big club windows with a perfect and patronizing equanimity and her money in hand finally descended from the car and returned to her east side abode a richer woman tom heaved a sigh of relief as we started off again thank heaven that red and gold nightmare with the wig is gone she was a clever one though who'd have thought of her recognizing platinum at a glance i didn't i confess under all that dust 
Poor old Dinkle. His heart would break if he could see the machine now. Never mind, Tom, said Dorothy, as he gazed ruefully at the wreck before him. I think we can get that together again. But how I wish we had the data in the manuscript. End of chapter 6